Well, if you have your Bible, I want you to grab it open and have a look at uh, uh, the, a book called Habakkuk or Habakkuk. Um, and uh, we don't turn up the book of Habakkuk very often. That's why nobody actually knows how to say it. And you're about to not be able to find it in your Bible. Uh, but I assure you that it's there. And if you don't, if you can't find it, do not panic. The Maddies have it for us on the screen. It says this: The Lord answered me and said, "Write the vision." Everyone say, "Write the vision." And make it plain. Everyone say, make it plain. On tablets. I should have put that in as well. Make it plain on tablets. That he who... That he, can we change the uh, New Living Translation for this one? Is that all right? Uh, I'm not actually a terrible reader. That's just a poor sentence, I reckon. That's a poor sentence. Uh, New Living Translation. I'll do John Ostrick now. Oh, no, I waited till I saw it. <laughs> it doesn't quite work. Then the Lord said to me, write... My answer, write the vision plainly on tablets. I like the other one better now. So that a runner can carry the correct message to others. Don't you like that? Uh, write the vision and make it plain so that whoever reads the vision can run with it, so you can carry it. Uh, do you know, right across the month, this month, I, I want to preach at you tonight that you need to tune in. You don't have to do the whole Daniel fast, but I'm telling you as, a, as, a, as the pastor, you do need to tune in. You need to write the vision. Do you know, it's actually not my job to give you a vision for your life. It's my job to have a vision in my life. I could make up a vision for your life and I could tell you what to do. I actually can do that. I could boss you around. I could empower Alistair as a chief organizer. He could come to your house if you're a guy and he could boss you into having a relationship with Jesus. Uh, we could empower Rachel and she could make a list of you. She could call you. She could. We, we could. We could. The Bible, the Bible talks about the Paul says that we don't lord it over your faith. And in our church as leaders, I'm not here to tell you what to believe about God. I'm here to tell you the truth, and it's your job as a Christian actually to tune in. Everyone say tune in. It's your job to hear God. It's your job to feel called. And it's your job, as this passage says, it's your job to hear God. You've got to read the verse before, which I didn't bother, but you should read it. It says that Habakkuk goes up to a high place, and he looks out over the city. And he, he brings a complaint to God, and then God answers him. Why don't you ask God some questions in this month? It's a great time of year, as Alistair said. Ask God some questions. Set aside some time. Do you know, I believe for a fact that you have a bright future. You have a bright future, and you should live boldly. You have a bright future, and you should live boldly. But at the, the, it doesn't matter how many times I say it, because until you believe it, it won't make a difference in your life. Because right now, all of your history, all you've ever done is lived out what you believe about life. What you believe about life on the inside of you is the results you get in your world. If you want your life to be transformed, it starts here, seeking God pressing into him, reaching out to him and hearing him speak. I was going to say that it starts with hearing from God, but it doesn't. It starts from seeking after God. And we know for a fact that whenever you seek after God, you'll find him if you search for him with all your heart. And so I'm just challenging you in this message tonight that this is a month for transformation. This is a month where the bright plans of God, the bright future of God isn't just something that people on the platform talk about, but it's something that begins to burn in our heart in a powerful way, that it would be something that you can write down. 
Do you have a, like a little exercise book? Somewhere, something to tuck into your Bible so when God speaks to you, you can write it down? Because if you don't, it's only about $1.50 to buy one. You don't even need to buy pens these days. Just wait till the next one find in your hand at the bank or somewhere like that, and then you're away. Then you're, then you're equipped for life, right? All you need is paper and a pen, really. All you need is paper and pen. Write some things down. What's God saying? Do you know the best time for me that when God speaks to me is first thing in the morning? I wake up in the morning and I, do you know what happens? I have some of these great ideas. Sometimes I wake up in the morning, I have this great idea and God speaks to me. Maybe an idea for a sermon that might bless people or maybe an idea for my life, things I need to change to redirect my life. And do you know what I think to myself? I'll remember that. Do you know what I do? I never, ever remember. I don't remember anything I don't write down, right? But if I write it down, do you know what? I don't even look, I write it down like I write this sermon down on this piece of paper. I can throw this away and I'll preach this again anytime in the rest of my life because I've written it down, right? <laughs> That's the power of it. Write the vision. Make it plain. Do you know with the vision in your life, the, 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 the direction of your life, is it plain? Or is, it, or is it like this? Oh, I really believe that God's called me to do wonderful things. That's good. That's a really good introduction. Now, what wonderful things? Where and to who and with whom and with what? What is the things that God's called you to do? Write the vision and make it plain. Do you know, your vision, when you write it down and you make it plain, it will grow and it will develop and it will change in so many different ways, but you need to write it and make it plain. Do you know, when I was a young adult, um, I made the decision to go to um, teacher's college and train to be a primary school teacher. And it was probably, apart from the decision to shift here to Wellington as the pastor um, a few years ago, uh, the, the one other time that I really felt God speak to me was when God spoke to me about going to teacher's college. It was, it was really, really clear that I should go, and it was really, really clear that I should go then. It was like June, and I really felt God speak to me about applying for a July intake rather than waiting till the next cycle around. And it was like the clearest time God's ever spoken to me uh, about that, right? And, um, and so I, st- I trained as a teacher, and then I was a primary school. I trained for three years, and then I was a primary school teacher for four years. And then in my training... And in my, my early years teaching, I had a vision. God gave me a vision when he spoke to me about going to teacher's college, was to be a great primary school teacher and actually to develop a career as an educator. That was what God spoke to me about, that I was going to have influence in schools and that I was going to have influence in government uh, at some point, right? I was going to have influence in schools and government. And, you know, um, then, you know, Pastor Sam asked me to lead the Bible college, so I said, oh, yeah, I'll do that. And so I made a transition in my career from education uh, into the Bible college, still teaching. And then uh, the youth pastor at the time burnt out, so they said, would you look after the youth until we find someone better? And so then I was a youth pastor for seven years while they diligently, diligently searched the earth uh, for somebody better. Uh, the better person was Carl Brockbrand, who took over, and then they were like, where are we going to send Jordan? And they're like, we'll get rid of him to Wellington. Uh, that's not quite how it worked. But, and, you know, when I, was a, um, when I was a youth pastor, I used to wonder about, hey, God, you spoke to me so clearly about being a primary school teacher and then developing a career and having influence in schools. And I was at youth one Friday night in the upper theater in the Mercury, and it was pretty full for youth then. We were just sort of filling it up. Um, and so there was nearly 100 people probably upstairs. And I was just thinking about, God, you've given me a call to make a difference in schools. 
I know that you've got, I've got this call to make a difference in schools, but here I am, I'm a youth pastor, I'm not really connecting with schools. And then I looked around the room and I counted all the schools that were represented. And, and, and we had people in 20 different high schools from all over Auckland City. And I thought, there's no school teacher who has impact into 20 high schools. And I just really felt suddenly that, oh, actually God is leading me. And God spoke to me, and then God is leading me. Now, sometimes God speaks to you about the next step. Go to teacher's college. And sometimes God speaks to you about the end destination of where we the general area that we're moving to. And a lot of Christians get that mixed up. Because they say, oh, God said I'm going to be a preacher, so I probably need to be on the roster next month. Right? And that might be an end destination, or it might be a destination further on. The thing you've got to, we've got to seek God for is not just a vision about a big, grand destination, but a vision that speaks to, hey, what's the next step? So we have a big, grand destination, and we have something burning in our heart of what is the next step, right? So everyone say, write the vision, but the next part is make it plain. So you've got, to, you've got to make it real. Do you get what I mean? Sometimes, sometimes as Christians, we do so much stuff that's just not real. We write stuff that just doesn't. I've, I read Facebook, and some Christians, I feel like writing down, crazy Christian in the comments. What does that Facebook post mean? It's not even English. Really, it's not. It's not even, it's not a proper sentence. It's hallelujah, and, and, and then hashtags, you know, blessed to be a blessing, rah, rah, rah. That might mean something in church, but Facebook's not church. Talk on Facebook like you're a normal person, right? It was so great to be in church. Pastor Jordan spoke an inspiring word. I didn't wreck it. I didn't blow it up. The Holy Spirit didn't blow through the room. Now, come on, don't write that down. Make it real. Make it plain. I felt so inspired. God's working in my world. Come on, write your vision. God has called me too. God has given me a vision for. What does it look like? What does the end game look like? What is the next step in 2016? Do you know, I just, I really feel, Malaya, God's called you to business. I just felt like of all those mountains, I believe God's going to, has put an anointing on your life for business and administration. But more than administration, I really believe God's going to give you ideas that just make money. That actually you're going to be incredibly wealthy and God's going to give it to you because he can trust your heart. And there's a process and a journey to go on. It begins with investigating and exploring what God's speaking, speaking to you. But I really believe that you're called more for business than for like people stuff. God's going to give you ideas and inventions and, and things to, to create that are going to transform and change the world. And I, I just felt that during the worship. So I thought I'd say it now because it came back to my mind. Everyone say, run with it. Everyone say, run with it. You need to write down a vision and you need to make it plain so that you can run. How, have you, how many people have ever, how many people catch the bus on a semi-regular basis? We only do it for fun. Uh, and, uh, but if you catch the bus for a semi-regular basis, uh, how many people have ever been going, you're about to go on a big holiday? Going on, how, many people have been, how many people have been on the airplane on holiday. Uh, do you know one of my favorite things at airports when you get to go there is looking for people who are running late. 
just spotting those people who are running late. It's great when you're not running late. You know, you're, you might be all checked in and your bags are all in and you're just drinking a cup of tea and you're watching other people arriving, uh, you know, just slightly too late. I have had a few occasions where I've missed planes, um, but... Uh, the thing about when you're running late for the airport, running late for a plane, uh, the, the, the truth of the matter is that they're not going to stop for you, eh? And unlike the bus, you don't have the, well, it's probably my uncle driving now, so I'll, I'll just wave him down. Or you can chase, the, you know, how many of you have ever chased the bus down and, and just because you have desperation in the wing mirror, the bus driver actually lets you in? Yeah, it, it doesn't, maybe it doesn't happen as much these days, but when I was younger, it used to. Um, but, um, you know, when you're running a little bit late for the airport, like you're like, oh, man, I should probably be checked in by now, and you, someone's dropping you off. Usually James Roy, if you're running late, uh, he's dropping you off, and you're like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, you know, running a bit late, you know, and, you know, um, and, and you get out of the car, oh, okay, cool, and you're running a bit late, and then you, and you're like, so you just do fast walking? You know, so you, you want to get through the airport now without drawing attention to the fact that you're running late. But you don't want to miss the plane, but you, so you want, to, you want to move through the airport fast enough not to miss the plane, but not so fast that you stand out to the other people like you who love watching people who are running late. Do you, do you know that feeling? Oh, well, you know, oh, you know, and you don't want to get to the plane like huff, puffing and huffing and, and like all sweaty and gross, you know, like that's the person no one wants to sit next to is the, you know, the, the you know, right? But do you know, do you know when you're running a little bit late and then you're a little bit late and then you're a little bit late, right? You just get faster and faster and faster. And I don't know if you've ever like running for the bus or get, running to get to work. I don't know if you've ever had that actual I'm now I'm now I'm actually running running as fast as I possibly can. I don't know if you ever had that feeling. That's a whole other level. There's something that grabs a hold of you. Just give me a show of hands if you know what I'm talking about. Otherwise, I'll have to think of a new illustration. Because you start off just shuffling across the car park. You know, and then you get in there, and, there, and I've had this occasion uh, with passenger Isaac Graham, passenger Jordan Smith, passenger Reginald Deb, please, this is your final call. The doors will be closing in one minute. And now, you're, now it's like, wow, now we're really running late. Now we've got, we've got somewhere we're trying to get to. We've got someone we wanna, somewhere we want to go to. There's this thing we've got to do. There's these people who will fire us if we miss this plane, right? And now you're really running. I think in Christian circles, we can fall into the trap of knowing that God wants to win the world. And so we want to move at that. We want to move, we want to move towards the plan God's got for us. We want to move towards that mountain God's calling us to, that area of influence. We, we, we want to serve in a, at a team. We want to be part of an e-group, but we want to do it in a way that's cool. But you can't. You missed the plane. Oh, I want to do everything God's called me to do without looking like a tryhard. Do you know what? You won't. You won't. You've got to get to that point where you realize, hey, you've only got so much time. You've only got the, you've only got the amount of time that God's given you, and none of us know how long that is. We've all got a, we've all got a, a, a life that we have to give and account for. When we get to heaven, God's not. When we get to heaven, God's not going to. God's not going to go through. This is this is fact. God's not going to go through a list of your sins and your good deeds. Not going to happen. Guaranteed it. No, that's not. That's not the judgments of God. That's Santa Claus, right? Santa Claus has a list like that, right? There's two judgments. The first judgment is this: Do you know Jesus? 
relationally. Do you know Jesus? Are you relating with him as Savior and Lord? At that point, you come into eternal life. Then in eternal life, every Christian now is judged. And you're judged and you give an account for what did you do with your time, your talents, and your treasure? What did you do that advanced the kingdom of God? And this is how it is. It talks about how we live our life like a builder. And you might build with gold, and you might build with silver, and you might build with precious stones. Or you might build with wood and hay and sticks. And then it says that God will test it with fire. He's going to judge it. That's what it means, to test it with fire. And then all of the sticks, the wood and the hay and the sticks, that all just gets burnt up. And it says that whoever's life just gets burnt up and it turns out that your life didn't add up to anything in eternity, it says that you'll be saved, but it says that all your hair will be burnt off. Right? It does, that's, a, that's a different translation than the one you have, but that's what it says, right? But then it says that the things that you've built in your life, gold, silver, and precious stones, the things you've built with faith, the things you've built with, that, that last forever, the things you've built uh, with people, those are the things that actually come through the fire and last forever. And, though, and then God says things like, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what God does. Come and receive reward, right? I hope you feel that. I, wanted to, I want you to understand that actually we're running through the terminal. Your life, you, the, when you were born, you were dropped in the car park. Some of you literally were dropped, but that's what I'm talking about, right? But when you're born, that's like, here you are, you've arrived in the car park, and there's a destination to get to. You've got to get through check-in, you've got to get past all the shops, you've got to get through, through duty-free, and you've got to get to the gate before they close the door. And there's things that you need to achieve. The God, the, the, God didn't save you just to be saved. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20 says that we're recreated in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. God spent time planning and preparing good things for you to walk into, things for you to do that would change the world. And you've only got your life with which to do something. Amen? How many people have heard that story? I referred to it a couple of weeks ago. And it's in 1 Samuel chapter 14. And it's a cool Old Testament Bible story. How many of you like a good old Bible story? It's an awesome Old Testament Bible story. And I could read the whole thing from verse 1 through, but I'll just tell you the stories, all right? And I'll get as many of the details correct as possible. And, and what the, the context historically is that the armies of Israel are, are starting to rise up. For the first time in generations, they have a king. His name is Saul, King Saul, and he's a superhero. He's, it says at the time, he was the tallest person in the whole nation. He was a head taller than everybody else, right? Imagine, I don't know what size that person's head was, but he was a head taller. Like he's nearly a foot taller than everybody else, everybody else in the whole nation, right? And he's a leader, and he's strong, he's powerful, he's anointed by God, he's a warrior, and he has a son, his name is Jonathan, and then it says this, that um, they'd been oppressed by a, another people group called the Philistines, and the thing the Philistines did was they got rid of all of the Israeli blacksmiths. 
That was part of how they suppressed them. They got rid of all the Israeli blacksmiths so that none of the Israelites, so none of the people of God could sharpen their, their, their weapons or they couldn't even sharpen tools and things that they would use with agriculture. They had to take their tools across to the enemy and then the Philistine blacksmiths, they had to pay the Philistine blacksmiths to get their, their tools sharpened. You know, their, their shearing tools or their pruning tools that had to get sharpened by the Philistines. And it got to the point in the whole of Israel, there's only two swords. A whole nation of people and there's only two swords. Now, that's a crazy scenario. Oh, I'd like to think that within a group of people like this, that there's more than two people here who are armed by God. That there's more than two people who have got the sword of the Spirit and that they're equipped to fight. But at this time in Israel, there's just two people with swords. One of them is the king, King Saul. He has a sword. If there's only two swords and you're the king, you're going to have one of them, aren't you? Right? The next person who has a sword is his son, Jonathan, has a sword as well. And Jonathan, has, Jonathan is a young leader. He's a young warrior. And Saul is a slight, is his dad. He's an older. He's the king, right? And the king is leading the army, is leading the nation. And they're sort of just waiting around. It's sort of the, uh, the, the battle's got to a bit of a stalemate. And they're sort of just waiting around. And, and Jonathan has an idea. He says to his armor bearer, which is his, like his assistant in war, he says to him, hey, let's go and fight the Philistines. Let's just go and fight them. The Philistines are camped on one hill. The Israelites are camped in another area. And he says, let's just go up. Now, the reason they were sort of in a stalemate is because they had both were in strong positions. The Israelites were in a strong position. The enemy was in a strong position. And they were sort of waiting around. Saul was trying to get some ideas. They're trying to figure out what to do. And Jonathan's like, let's just go up there. Now, the thing about battles, any battle is probably true even today with modern weapons. You never want to attack from the valley up. Right? Because when you're walking up the hill, you're, you're always going to be exposed to fire from above. And we know that because we're New Zealanders. We've heard the story of the Anzacs over and over again, Right? That as because they were going up the hill, they were just they were just it was just target practice for the people at the top of the hill. Anyway, Jonathan's armor bearer says to Jonathan, "Whatever the idea is you have, let, why don't you just do it?" So this this Jonathan's got this crazy idea, this bold idea, and he takes some bold action. He makes himself visible to the enemy soldiers, and he just says to his armor bearer, "Let's just if they call us up, let's just go up there and fight them." We'll just and we'll just believe. Let's just if they just if they tell if they tell us you come up here and we'll fight you, then we'll, let's believe that God's going to give us victory. That, like it's just so bold. It's bold at a natural level, and it's bold. It's bold. It's bold in a in a in a faith level. Like it's not just bold warrior stuff. It's bold faith. It's bold a bold relationship with God. This guy Jonathan didn't wasn't just a bold warrior. He also had a relationship with God that was such that hey, we're gonna go forward and see how it happens. And if it happens like this, let's believe that God is on our side. 
Let's believe that God's going to back us up. And you know, I think as a church, we could take some bolder steps. Individually, you could step out more in your world. You could break out of your job that's going nowhere. You could break out of some bad behaviors just with some bold steps. You could break out of some negative relationships just by being bold. And you can think, well, I don't know, Jordan. If I try and look for another job, what if my, my boss finds out I lose this job? If I, if I get to stay away from those friends, if I, if I try and break that bad thinking, oh, it's just so difficult. Why wouldn't you just believe that maybe God's on your side? Wouldn't, you, wouldn't, you just, wouldn't it be better just to believe that God was on your side? Wouldn't it be better to attack life's problems rather than waiting for them to destroy you? Wouldn't it be better to get on the front foot and push forward boldly? That's what this guy Jonathan did. He steps forward and, and the, the enemy soldiers say, here, you come up here and fight us. So Jonathan, yeah, that's cool. Let's believe God's on our side. And it says that they crawl up the hill on their hands and their knees. They crawl up the hill on their hands and their knees. Don't you reckon that's awesome? Let's attack. Let's crawl into the battle. Terror, it wouldn't be terrifying if you were the enemy standing out there. What are these people doing? And you can just wait for the person to crawl to the top and just, you can hit them with a stick when they get to the top of the cliff, they'll be exhausted. Oh. But they don't, they get off the top of the cliff and then, and then Jonathan just goes around knocking people over. He just knocks this one over and then the arm bearer comes behind and kills them. And then Jonathan just runs into the next one. I imagine he's a head taller than everybody else as well. And he just goes running into people and knocking them down. And then, and then it says that God sees from heaven. There's a massive earthquake and the whole army is confused. It says right at the point where Jonathan was completely surrounded with a lot of people who have been annoyed that he's been knocking them down. At the moment he's completely surrounded by an army, God sends an earthquake, the army freak out, and they just flee. Do you know what's, what's preventing you from taking bold steps? Is your vision. Right now, I believe that you're taking the boldest steps you can according to the vision that's in your heart. See, this guy, Jonathan, he had a view of his nation. He had a vision of his nation, not bound up in slavery, not held down by the enemy. He had a vision of his nation moving forward victorious. And what compelled him to move forward wasn't that God spoke a prophetic word, although that would have been helpful, wouldn't it? It wasn't that someone encouraged him and said, come on, Jonathan, you can do it. It wasn't there. It wasn't that he was well equipped with other soldiers. He had one other soldier and they had one sword between them. They didn't have good ideas. Do you know what they had? A dumb idea. Do you know how much of the Bible is stories of people with bad ideas that God got behind? Do you know some, some of the Bible is stories of people with no idea? My favorite is the story in Acts chapter, ooh, somewhere in the middle of Acts. And Paul, it says he tries to go to one country. Hey, let's go to this country. And on the way there, Holy Spirit speaks to them and says, no loud in there. Oh, okay, let's go to this country. So they go now in the completely other direction. Yay, let's go this way. And everyone's like, all, the, all of his apostolic entourage are like, yes, yes, the apostle Paul has heard from the Lord. And they march off that way and they can't get in there. 
And then they have a vision in the middle of the night, and God opens up a whole other place. Here's someone who's just trying to go to this country. Didn't work. Oh, let's go to that one then. Why? Because there's something in his heart that's visionary, saying we've got to carry this message of the gospel forward, and he doesn't care where. He doesn't have an idea. He doesn't have a plan. He just has vision burning in his heart. Sometimes we're looking for good ideas. Oh, what's a good idea for my life? Do you know what you don't need? You don't need good ideas for your life. You need vision burning in your heart for your life. How many people are lazy? Just quick show of hands if you're a lazy person. (laughs) I would lift my hand, but I'm tired. Do you know you're not ill-disciplined? There's not really, there's not a huge difference between disciplined people and ill-disciplined people. You know, there are completely out of control people, right? Who, you know, let's be fair. There are some people who are out of control. But you know, the, the, your, your problem's not that you're lazy. Your problem is not that, oh, you just don't get out of bed on time. Your problem's not that you're a terrible worker and why would anyone employ you? That's not your problem. Your problem is a vision problem. The people that I've seen in life achieve great things push through obstacles, rise up in faith, believing even when they're sick or when the enemy's against them. The people I've seen who can turn up Sunday after Sunday and serve in the house. The people I've seen who can make a difference in their community. I know one guy's just an awesome dude. He's just an awesome dude in Auckland Church. Just awesome. He's just like, oh man, I want to do something in my community. So he just took his barbecue down to the local park, cooked sausages and gave them to people. That what an, what is that a that's a great that's a great piece of postmodern evangelism? No, it's not. It's a guy with a barbecue and some spare sausages, right? And a heart. He's got a heart for his his suburb that he grew up in. It's a massively difficult suburb, all sorts of issues. He's like, I'm just going to do something. What can I do, right? Do you know he's just been reaching out in his community, reaching out in his community. I saw on Facebook the other day he had a photo in church that he'd taken like that of of his dad. And I think it might have been his mum and like some other people in his extended family. So amazing to see people, my family, all of my family in church today for the first time. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Why? Because there's his vision burning in his heart. Does he, he didn't, he's not equipped with great ideas of reaching out to people. He's equipped with vision burning in his heart. That's the first thing you need. The first thing you need is a relationship with Jesus. And a heart that seeks after God. And you know what God's going to put in your heart is a vision to see a better future. Everyone say, we have a bright future. That's why we take bold actions. Um, how many people are looking forward to tuning in? Tune in. Uh, I reckon it's going to be an awesome month. I really do believe it's going to be an awesome, awesome month. And, and, and it's going to be a month of breakthrough. And it's going to be a month of revelation. But um, one of the things I really, um, there's a cool part in here that in the booklet, if, how many of you have got a booklet? The booklet is really cool. And it's, it's asking in this booklet, uh, for, uh, we're really asking, actually we're asking this right across, right across Equippers. Um, and, um, you know, we, you would have heard us talking here in church about uh, being part of a small group, an e-group. You would have heard us talking here in church about being part of an E-team. And roughly 20% of people jump on board with things like that. 20% of the congregation sort of get on board with being in a, in a team, right? 
which is, if you think about it, it's, it's, it's great because that's enough people for us to do what God, do actually to, to do what we're currently doing now. But it's actually not enough people for us to do what God's calling us to do. We, we actually need to be, we need to go from being a 20% sort of a bunch of people to being 100%. We need to go from being, well, some sort of people who can, who, who do it if they can. Oh, I'll do it if I can make it. Oh, I'll, I'll sign up for a team one day. Or I'll help out on the team when it works for me. Now, that's all good. Like, whatever, wherever you wherever you're at, it's all good. But I'm just thinking, imagine what it would be like if we were a church where everyone was involved. Where everyone was in a small group, and we could we could rest assured that everyone's connected, everyone's building relationships with people that they know. Everyone's looking at the studies, everyone's learning, everyone's engaging with the Word of God. I reckon that would be awesome. I reckon it'd be awesome if we had a church where everyone was on a team. But it would mean that wouldn't it would mean that it wouldn't be the same three people on kids every single week. It means it wouldn't just be Laura leading one week and Patty leading the next week and Laura leading one week and Patty leading the next week, which, let's face it, it's getting boring. No, <laughs> but come on, not that, that not that, it might still be that, right? But wouldn't it be awesome if there was more, if, if you were, wouldn't it be awesome for you if you were 100%? Because you want to be. You want to be involved, don't you? You want to be part of a functioning church family that's full of passion and full of faith, don't you? You want to be in a team that gets things done. You want to be in a hosting team that's changing the world, that's reaching out on the street, that's, whose flags are waving the presence of God across the city. You want to be in that team. You want to be in our lighting team and figure out how these work, don't you? That's what you want. You want to be serving. You want to be part of a team. But we're asking you to think about two more things as well. One of them is we're saying everyone needs to choose, and it's strong language, it's real strong. We're saying choose a mission. Choose a short-term mission to be on. And there's mission trips happening this year and next. Across the next two years, I'm challenging you, choose one. Wow, I don't have any money. It's not about money, it's about vision. Choose one. Where are you going to go in the next two years serving Jesus? You could go on the trip to the Philippines. You could go on a trip to the Tonga. You could go on one of the trips when we're planting Equipus Church in Kolkata in India. You could go to Equipus Church in uh, London. Or you could go to Equipus Church in Berlin. You could go to Equipus Church in Rome when Equipus Church Rome starts. You could go to Denmark to Bible College. You could go to Auckland. You could serve just about anywhere. You could come on a mission trip to Porirua this year. We're organizing some. Come on, you can go on a mission trip all the way across your street. I'm going on a mission trip at Halloween just into my street. I've got a missions plan for my street on Halloween. Every kid's coming to my house anyway. Right? I'm just going to make my house the best house on the street. I'm going to have more lollies than anybody else and lots of other free food and music playing. I'm going to be talking to all the parents and making new friends. Not talking to the kids, right? That's how you get into trouble, right? I'm just talking to the parents. I don't want to be arrested, right? Why? Why? Because, hey, my street needs Jesus. That's why I'm there. That's why I live there. That's why you live where you live. Go on a mission trip. It doesn't have to be far, but it's a, sh a shift you make in your own heart that says, I'm going on mission. And the last one is you need to identify. You need to choose your mountain. What? What part of society has God called you to transform? What part of society has God called you to change? Come on, choose a mission and choose a mountain. And you could, if you want in your life, 
Do you know what you could do? You could go into battle. How many people would like to go to battle one day? It'd be like, that'd be quite cool. How many, how many people play Call of Duty just because that'd be quite cool? Yeah, I'm a big fan of Halo now, uh, even though Austin keeps shooting me while I'm looking at my feet. <laughs> or I, after I spend a lot of the time looking at the wrong part of the screen, and I feel like I'm doing real well, but that's Elliot. And, and he's shooting all sorts of people, but that's me that he's shooting. Uh, but I'm having a great time. Wow. I'm over there, but I'm like. You know, um, in the story that I talked about, that Jonathan and his armor bearer, there are two swords in the whole country. I, I just, I reckon we've got to be a, a church where everyone is armed and everyone is dangerous. So you're not the guy who's just down to his magnum. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I'm on the battlefield and I, I've got no weapons. I love that when you've got no, you're out of all ammunition. It says, scavenge a weapon from the battlefield. I'm like, I don't know, I can't, I can't pick them up. I'm always looking in the wrong place. I can't pick them up. I know it's here somewhere. <laughs> right? But come on, a Bible, a, you can get a Bible. You, know, f- you can get every translation, just about every English translation of the Bible. You can get Greek and Russian translations of the Bible. You can have an audio Bible, all for the just the cost of your smartphone. And you can get a, a pretty smartphone for $39. So for cheaper than buying one paper Bible of quality, because who you know, I like if I'm buying a paper, it's got to be nice paper. But a Bible like this is like a $50 investment. Some of you already own a smartphone. The, the, the weapon is there, and you're like me on Halo. So there's the gun that you want. I can't remember the names of the gun. And it says, press X to pick up. And so just as you're about to press X, you move past it. And then you're past it, and there's your feet. And then you're like, why have I died again? And someone's laughing because they watched you looking at your feet while they shot you, right? I, I, I think the devil just shoots Christians and laughs as we look at our feet. Pick up. Pick up a weapon. Pick one up. You're actually out of ammunition. Why uh, Why do I know you're out of ammunition? I just know you're out of ammunition. Everyone's out of ammunition in December, and we've been wandering around unarmed for months. Why didn't you pick up a weapon? Well, I, just, I get really bored reading the Bible. It's like, everyone, you're off to battle. Take a gun. I get bored carrying guns. I'll just go as I am. I'll just tell you what, rather than marching with that weapon all the way to the battlefield, I'll just wait till I get there and then I'll find something. Right? It's been tried before. The Red Army did that in the Second World War. It doesn't work. Everyone will die. Pick up a weapon. Come on. You, I, you know God's challenge you. Come on, pick it up. Read it tonight before you go to bed. Don't wait till the morning because in the morning you'll be like, oh. Read it in the morning and read it at night and pray whatever you read. Pray whatever. Shall I give you an example? Who would like an example? I opened the Bible at random. This is not a great idea. Not to, you shouldn't do this publicly. Do you know one time a friend of mine did this? He said, I'll show you how to read the Bible. God speaks out of any passage. And he opened it up, and it was a passage that said this. And the man with crushed testicles must not approach the tabernacle. <laughs> Which I think is actually easy because it speaks for itself, doesn't it? It speaks for itself. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit 
on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men and women shall dream dreams, and your young men and women shall see visions. Now, that's an easy one because I preached about it this morning. And I just happened to turn to it. But come on, if you read that, just that one verse before you go to bed tonight, you could pray this prayer. God, I thank you that even me, even I am someone you're choosing. Even I am someone you're calling. Isn't that a better way to go to bed than watching more? Another another episode on Netflix? Really? Another one? Do you really need to watch another one? Or could you read 10 words in the Bible and allow God to transform your world? You don't even have to read it. Just get the audio Bible in there. Someone with a strange voice will read it to you. Do you know, life's so much easier than it used to be. Chrissy's brother wanted an audio Bible. And so he got a lot of cassettes and a microphone. I bet you couldn't do it. He did it. He recorded himself reading out loud the whole Bible. Now, <laughs> Actually, wow. <laughs> hey, on cassette. And there's times we farted, passed wind loudly, and had to rewind and re. There's no digital editing. He had to reread it, pick it up where it was. I think he had other trouble as well. People honking horns. Oh, maybe, it's hard to tell which it was, but um, dogs, dogs barking in the background. One, someone sent a a demo album to Quippers one time. Hey, some songs you could use in church. And there was a dog barking in the background of one of the songs. <laughs> but here's a challenge, eh? Here's a challenge. Write the vision and make it plain. But let, and let's run at it. Oh, we got, God's called us to win the city. Okay, oh, well, you know. Come on, let's, let's run at it. Tomorrow, why don't you run at it? God's called us to win the city. That's what we're here for. What does tomorrow look like in your world? Who, where are you going? Who are you talking to? What are you doing? Does it look like that's burning on the inside of you? Uh, and then, and let's run at it, but let's carry a weapon. Let's allow the Word of God to come into our life. Do you know, it's hard to say, but theologically, this is the, the Word of God, when you allow this to impact your world and become part of your life, it's God becoming part of your life. Because in the ancient world, someone's words was, was them. There's paragraph, chapters of background in that. But when we, when we read the Bible, we're allowing God himself into our world. Again, make it plain. That's a bit more real than just saying, God, fill my heart. Okay, God, fill my heart. Word, one word at a time, I'm going to put you into my heart. Amen. When you close your eyes and bow your heads, Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. We just thank you for your awesome presence. Lord, right now, I just pray for everybody gathered. I just release your anointing and, and your spirit. Lord, we just thank you for the, just the real evidence of your presence as we worshiped earlier. We just thank you, God, that you're at work in our world. You're at work in our hearts. You're at work in our city. And Lord, right now, I pray you begin to speak to each and every single person here individually. You speak to them about the plan and the future that you have for them. Lord God, and beyond the words that I've said, Lord, I pray that within each and every heart, a spirit of courage would rise up. Lord God, that we'd be people who'd begin to believe 
believe that you have a bright future and that we have a right to live boldly, a responsibility to step out with courage and expectation, believing for your best in our city, believing for your best in our world. And right now, I pray and release it in Jesus' mighty name.